Vincent Werbeck's Derby. It's good to be here, Phil. Thank you for your kind words. You're too kind. He's just after free ice cream, really. If you've only known me as uh, the guy in Just Ice who serves ice cream, then it is true. I am a rev. Um, and I, I, obviously, so I've, I led a church for, for nearly 20 years in London, and um, God called us up here. We love being in Derby to, to do what we're doing. Uh, it's kind of really uncharted territory, and if you'd have told me when I was a kid that I'd be in Derby running an ice cream house. Uh, whew, where did that come from? Uh, so it's great. Thank you for your support and everybody's friendship um, and, and even for tasting the ice cream. It's great. Come, come and see us if you haven't. So uh, it's my great privilege to finish this series on worship. Uh, so we've had three weeks on it. If you missed the first two, then you can get them online at the website. Uh, the first one, um, Matt White led us into uh, thinking about the secret place, to follow Jesus into the secret place. And he did six S's, the successes of prayer. And it was only when I walked out up the road with my family, I went, it was an acronym, success, success. And my kids went, oh, dad. It was a real oh dad moment. Then we had Phil uh, talking uh, last week about the dynamism of corporate singing and that dimension of worship when we're brought together with our voices and what God does in that. Um, And then this week we get to think about worship and the presence of God. So I'm going to read Psalm 84. Uh, You can follow it on your phones or your pads or your Bible. You may even have a Bible. If not, we would love to give you a Bible. Um, And uh, we have some in the building, don't we? So if if you lack a Bible and would like one, we can give you one before you leave tonight. And uh, I think the words will come up on the screens too. So Psalm 84. This is what we read. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow, the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, Baca means weeping, they make it a place of springs. They make it, uh, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Great words, great words. You you may have recognized words to the odd song in there as well. Um, Familiar, hopefully. Uh, I want to do a quick quick bit of research, quick bit of survey. Um, Who's met somebody well famous? Just pop your hand up if you've seen that. A few. So, Simon, who did you meet? That, okay. Who can beat Bono? Any, Any, who else put hand up? Just shout out. 
Eric Morecambe, yeah, I won't do an impression, but I'd like to. I'd love to do an impression of Bono, but I won't. Uh, who else? Anyone else? Ben Fogel's dad. Ben Fogel's dad? That is impressive. Yeah. What about his dog? Did we meet? Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a rugby fan. And um, back in the 80s, when I was a teenager, there was this brilliant rugby player for England called Jeremy Guscott. Jerry to his friends, and I was on holiday in Bath, and I was walking down Bath High Street, and Jerry was walking up, and I spotted him, and he saw me, you know. He knew I knew who he was, and, and we nodded, and as lads, I'm a scouse originally, so I was like, all right, in that sort of cool way that men do to acknowledge each other's presence, but let's, you know, just be cool about it. So I was cool with Jerry. It, it's funny with, with famous people, I don't know if you've known you're going to meet somebody famous or if you suddenly meet them. And you get that kind of heart racing of, oh, what do I say? What do I say? Um, Do do I say, oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you, or is that just like over the top and like just being too swarmy and and, and yucky, or do I play it cool, or just say, I love the film you just did? Or We can get a bit flustered with, with someone who, on earthly terms, we think is quite special. Worship is even better than that. This is when we get to meet the creator of the universe, the, the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and there is no better place to be. There's no better person to meet than God. And maybe sometimes we think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not in the mood for worship tonight. I'll, I prefer to, I don't know, watch TV, get Netflix going or whatever it might be. And we can miss out on meeting the best person in the universe I don't know where you are with worship. I don't know your history. I don't know uh, whether tonight's the first night you've ever been into a church building or it's the 53,000th time you've been in. Um, I remember the first time I went into a church as an adult. I was 20. I was a student in Newcastle, in uh, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, man. And if you've been to Newcastle, you say Newcastle, and I haven't lost that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, and I, there was a full ring balcony around, and I was up in the top. And um, I can only describe that it was a bit, they were a bit like you, lovely, you know, very lovely people, very stylish. And, 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 um, and I, they, they were mad. They, like, they had their hands in the air. They were like, they were really going for it. And uh, I, I didn't have the jargon to describe the way I would describe what I saw now. Back then, I, I, I could only say it was as if everybody had that ready breck glow. So, if you're over 30, you'll remember these adverts. Um, apparently, ready breck is still being made today. Um, and this advert was that the kids would have ready breck at home in the winter, and then they'd go out into the snow and they'd have a red glow about them, keep them warm, make them visible, keep them safe, all that kind of stuff. Now, that wasn't happening in the church I went to. But, but something was different about these people. As they were doing their thing that to me seemed madness, I was an atheist at the time, and there was something going on with each person. It was as though there was some kind of glow around them. I, I, that was the only way I could deal with it. Now I know it was the presence of the Holy Spirit around them, that, that God was there. And I uh, jump a, a month later from that moment, And you'd have seen me, hopefully, with an orange glow around me. I had moved from being an unbeliever to being a believer. That's a a story for another night. But um, 
That first time I went in, I could not join in. Because you can't worship someone you don't know. You just, you just can't. C.S. Lewis said, in the process of being worshipped, so it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to us. And worship is a response of a heart that knows God. Don't have to know him well. You don't have to have known him long. You don't have to know much about him. But worship is the response of a heart that knows God. And that in some way appreciates something about him. Um, In other words, it's a heart thing. Now, I confess I have an OCD um, as a preacher. That is that everything has to start with the same letter. So we've got a few H's. And then it's so... um, So we've got 15 H's tonight. No, just joking. It's a heart thing. It's a soul thing. So that Psalm 84 said, my, my heart yearns, my soul faints. I don't know how a soul faints, do you? I know how a physical body faints, but this is deep stuff. It's raw, isn't it? And there's, um, there's, a, there's a word in the New Testament um, that describes worship, and it means to step forward and kiss, to embrace and kiss. So this is where we go into strange territory for men. Um, either we feel uncomfortable or we think they might feel uncomfortable. Uh, into what we might say is that some of the mistakes we've done as church is maybe to feminize worship and make it difficult for men to engage in worship. And, uh, but uh, I, I talked this morning about this and um, had a number of really good conversations about times when people have encountered a group of men who are being men but are worshipping God in a kind of masculine way. And I don't say this to knock it anyway, feminine expressions of worship, but that we both need to learn from each other. But maybe we can see more men engaging with God if we release them to be men in their worship. Now, we need to pop a few bubbles too about men having emotions and all of that. Now, Phil will laugh because, you know, I, I say I'm a rugby man and all of that, and... Um, Therefore, I'm really blokey. Yeah, I'm always crying. I'm always weeping. And, and you know, um, so I, sometimes I'm in touch with those emotions. Every man is emotional. Uh, it's just that we may have struggled with how to express those. Now, it's all about setting and context, isn't it? So, uh, the Six Nations rugby has been on this weekend. Great. Um, and uh, I, I actually watched it this afternoon. And what do they do when they score a try? Phil, can I borrow you for a minute? Yes! I even watched one bit. When, when, when one of our try scorers, our try scorers today, uh, he, he, he's lying on the ground after he scored the try, and about three or four of the players pile in. One of them, I think it was Manu Tuolangi, who's this beast of a guy. I mean, well hard, well hard. Kisses the try scorer on the neck or cheek somewhere there. Millions of people watching on TV, 80,000 in the stadium, man kisses other man. It's all about context, you know, and I think it's about releasing one another. We just sang about roaring, who are roaring for God. There's something quite moving about that. And of course, women can roar as well, and 
I guess I don't want to put people in those boxes at all, but I just to appreciate the whole spectrum of how we express our worship. And it may be that sometimes you're on your knees, weeping, and barely able to say anything. Certainly not able to make a beautiful sound, but to God that would be beautiful. Sometimes it might be that you're running, dancing, jumping, um, hands up in the air. Uh, we used to know a lady who would go to the back of our church and, and, and do cartwheels. Uh, one time she did backflips. Uh, she just wanted to use her body to, to worship God. So it starts in the heart, but you know, sometimes it, it, it just bubbles out into your limbs. And I just encourage you to be free uh, and not to be ruled by fear. It pops up in the songs as well, doesn't it? That, that fear doesn't have a hold on us. It, you know, it doesn't really matter what other people think of you. Uh, they'll have their time as they stand before God one day, and, and you've got yours. So, and, and really, we're probably all jealous of each other, and, and we probably all feel that none of us are worthy, and um, we probably all think Nicky Gumbel's the holiest man on earth, but he probably thinks, oh, everybody thinks I'm holy if they only knew. Do you know what I mean? Let's give each other slack and uh, express our, our devotion to God, our thanks and our praise and our love. So it's a heart thing. Worship is a heart thing, and it comes from here. And sometimes uh, you just you, you haven't even got words. Uh, you just bring in yourself. Secondly, it's a hunger thing. So the psalm talks about yearning and fainting uh, and crying out to God. So there's a hunger going on in this psalm about God and, and his presence. And there's kind of this worrying thing. I say worrying, I'll explain that in a second, that it appears that the more desperate you are for God, that's somehow proportional to the encounter that you have with God. Uh, and I say the worrying thing is, is that that, that, that that means sometimes if we want to go deeper with God, if we want to mature in that, then we will walk through the valleys of Baca. We will walk through places of weeping, places and times and circumstances that are tough. But God still calls us to worship him because he hasn't changed our circumstances may have changed, but he never does. He's still a good, good God. We heard this week that a good friend of ours has just been given four weeks to live. And um, she's a Christian. Um, and um, we have worshipped with her. Um, and seeing that commitment and her and her family to keep worshipping God, he hasn't changed. Her circumstances have. Psalmist talks about going through the valley of, of Baca, of weeping, of suffering, and it being transformed to a place of pilgrimage. said on privilege. There's that, sorry, on pilgrimage. Um, there's that heart word again. We don't do pilgrimage these days, a physical journey, because there is no temple in Jerusalem anymore. You know, you're the temple. God has so built it now that you carry the temple with you. That's amazing. So we don't need the physical journey. But the image is really helpful because if you go on a pilgrim, pilgrimage, you have to set everything in order and, and lock up your house and close your business and go on a journey and spend a lot of money on the journey and, and give up a lot of things to do that. And that's, that's worship too. We, it has to cost us. There's a sacrifice. Yeah, I'm going to kneel I'm going to lie down, I'm going to raise my hands, I'm going to shout, or whatever it might be. Uh, there's just that little fear barrier in our hearts we need to burst through, don't we, 
to, to, to give our everything to God, to say thank you for loving us. This incredible grace that created this, galaxy, this universe with stars that are billions of light years apart, and we're just beginning to understand all of that. Those same hands were, you know, nailed to a cross so that us and God can be friends. It's an incredible God that we have. And we're called to worship him. And it sometimes costs us. So in the Old Testament, there's a story about King David. And he wants to buy the threshing floor of a guy called Arona, where an angel had appeared. And uh, he wants to build an altar where this angel had appeared um, on the threshing floor. And Arona, the owner, says, no, 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 my lord, my lord the king, you know, you have it. I'll give it you for free. It, it would be an honor, which is a great thing to do. David the king could have done that, could have used royal privilege and everything. He says, no, what is the price? I will buy it from you because unless it costs me, it is not worship. Unless it costs me, it is not worship. Now, hunger is a funny thing, isn't it? It's not if you're hungry, physically. And we rarely get that in Western culture. Um, so um, maybe, maybe you can remember a time you've been really hungry. It was probably only yesterday, and you probably got hungry at about half past four, and you had a snack before you had dinner. So we're, we're rarely into that. If you've ever done sports or endurance sports and stuff like that, yeah, then you may have been into a zone where you get really hungry. I've done a bit of cycling and, and uh, been out for quite a few hours uh, and then come back from the outer country, um, back into the city, and then you start to smell the fish and chip shops from about three miles away. Uh, hunger makes, increases your sensitivity to what you're hungry for. If you're hungry for God, your sensitivity to his voice and him working and acting around you is vastly increased. How do you get hungry? Well, unlike um, physical hungry, we don't hunger, we don't deny ourselves God. To, we start to pray, God, help me be more hungry for you. We start to skip things and we start other things. We start to plow our time into him and our heart starts to yearn for him more and more and more. So I dare you to pray, God, make me hungry for you. The third H is, it's him. It is his thing. So it's a heart thing, it's a hunger thing, it's his thing. Worship is his thing. A guy called R.C. Sproul or Sproul says, it is the pleasing of God that is at the heart of worship. It's the pleasing of God that is at the heart of worship. It is all about him. Who's in the spotlight in our worship? I know physically we have a spotlight and they'll be on the band. We need to see them. It's good to hear them. And we need words up. All of this helps us. The band, and it's not God, it, it, it's us. And we may leave sometimes and think, ah, you know, the worship was all right. You know, it was good. It didn't quite do it for me, we sometimes say, isn't it? Uh, you know, I didn't quite engage or connect 
Uh, it wasn't my thing. It was old songs. It was new songs. It was this worship leader or that worship leader. You know, I prefer that style or I prefer this style. When we get into that, we've, we've missed the train. We've missed what worship is all about. And we've taken the spotlight off of God and we've gone, it didn't meet my needs. Well, little, little uh, warning here. It ain't about you. Worship, it's about him. It's about us coming and saying, God, you're the best. You are incredible. And I just want to thank you. The songs, the music, the words, the video, everything helps. And I, and I was trying to think about, of an analogy. and It's almost like they, they place us in, in our own little bullet train. That if our heart wants to, bang, we're in the presence of God straight away. It's like there's this vehicle ready to take us into the presence of God. And if our heart is ready, yearning, then bang, we're released into God's presence. It is his thing. And the psalmist says, you know, I'd, I'd, in Gav speak, I'd rather be a bouncer to God's club than a dancer in the nightclub of the godless. I'd rather be a bouncer out in the cold on a winter to get the scraps up from the table than be full at a godless table. That's his hunger, because he knows what it's about. And a day in God's presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. I love that. And what happens is, when we get into that place of the presence of God, is we start to be transformed, because he's so different. He's holy. Now, we couldn't, can't even unpack what that means. He's so different to us. He's pure, he's perfect, he's sinless. He's full of love. He's overpoweringly so. And, and, and in this body, on this earth, we're just not ready for the totality of his presence. But when we get a glimpse of it, bang, it blows us apart, doesn't it? John Ortberg, author and writer, um, Gratitude and plod through life with, I think he means blinkers on, but that's an Americanism, with blinders on. You know, worship has a really important function in our life too, um, and, and God transforms us in that. We're made to worship, aren't we? That's what God has made us for. And until I knew God, I worshipped other things, beer and parties and socialising, and my local pub was the church that I went to, I guess. went there religiously every Friday and Saturday for about five years. And um, we're made for worship. And when we meet God, we know, oh, it's, it's you we were supposed to worship. But there is a pitfall. I don't know if you spotted it. We come into God's presence. In his presence, we're transformed. We can be healed, restored. We can hear prophetic words. We get guidance. Um, incredible things happen in his presence. And then we want to come back and go for more, don't we? And then we do it again. We think, oh, it's about me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship God so I can get X, Y, or Z. And I mean, God's gracious anyway. Whenever I've gone into worship to seek his face, to find out something, sometimes I've, I've got the answer I wanted, but other times he's done something else that in my priorities I'd lost sight of. And he's gracious like that. But that's just one thing that we need to be aware of that as we come into his presence. He does these incredible things. That's what we need to keep our eyes on. So how do we do this? Well, um, 
There's a, a, a very simple answer to that, and it's, it's called Jesus, the, the blood of Jesus. Um, Ravi Zacharias, um, he said something like this, that uh, there are no unique postures and times and limitations that restrict our access to God. So if, you, if you've been asleep, wake up now, hear this bit, there's no formula. There's no formula. Uh, you know, we don't have to paint ourselves. You don't have to take your shoes off. Uh, you can if you want, if it helps you. So I've got a couple of tips to finish with. Um, but they're just tips that actually help us at our end of, of the relationship to be more aware of his presence. They're not essential from God's point of view. You don't have to go through them. They're just helpful in the fact that we're broken people and that we're incomplete people, um, and sometimes we lose sight of that. So in the psalm, uh, the, the psalmist writes that um, he gives this hint that he's almost jealous of the birds that come and nest near the altar. So what's that about? That is about seeing birds flying in and forming a nest at the altar. Because you could do that if you're a bird. And he said, oh, if only I could do that. If only I could have that place of intimacy with God. Hey, we live in the era, the age in history where we do. Now, we don't have to fly. Because the temple's been done away with. The sacrifice of lambs every year has been finished. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. If we trust in him, his blood cleanses us. We can walk straight in. Hebrews 10, 19 says that we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of the Lamb. You have confidence to enter the holy place. You can tell your neighbor that if you know them. You've got confidence. You and I can boldly go into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. I don't think that's our mindset most of the time. Most of the time we feel unworthy, unholy, just not good enough. You know, God doesn't care whether you're good enough or not because Jesus has already been good enough and you follow in his footsteps. That's good enough. You're blameless because of Christ's death for you. So it's really simple. We tend to complicate it by our own uh, mechanics and our own mentality too. So there are things like um, praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 100 talks about them, using them, praise and thanksgiving, to enter the courts of God and through his gates. Um, things like confessing your sin really help, taking communion, doing stuff together in community. That all helps engage with the presence of God. Music, singing, whether you're in a group, whether you're on your own, that can help. Uh, I, I love nature. You know, going for a prayer walk can really take you into the presence of God, um, if that's your thing. And using the gift of tongues. If you've got the gift of tongues, uh, you probably don't use it enough. Use it to help worship God. It's that place where you haven't got the words yourself. You don't know what to say, but the gift of tongues helps you express it. And as we say that, maybe you haven't got the gift of tongues or you haven't got a clue what it is. We'd love to pray uh, with you if you desire that to help you on in, in your worship life to express those things to God. So just a few things there. Do remember, they're tips. They're not rules. Um, and uh, they're to help us to go confidently into the presence of God. I'm going to leave you with one quote. And if Matt and the band want to come up, and then we're going to do that. We're just going to... It doesn't stop when the band stops. You know, you can dedicate the things of your life and mundane life to be worship. Um, and that increases our awareness of God's presence throughout the week. Um, 
continually. Augustine of Hippo. Wouldn't you have loved to have been called Augustine of Hippo? Isn't that just great? <laughs> yeah, so St. Augustine, you might know him. Um, basically 1,600 years ago, he was a very holy guy who founded a lot of things that became the cornerstones of Western Christianity. He said this, You never go away from us, God, yet we have difficulty in returning to you. Come, Lord, he says, stir us up and call us back. Kindle and seize us. Be our fire and sweetness. Let us love. Let us run. That's my prayer. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Let's worship the God who gave his life for us and who wants us to love him back.